Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Here on the show, we talk about all things real estate from the latest breaking news to timeless real estate strategies, how to analyze deals. We also have the occasional amazing guest on to share their knowledge. But today, you just have me, Nick Hill, a mortgage agent and real estate investor, and I'm joined by none other than my good friend, Daniel Foch. Dan, tell us about yourself and what we are talking about today. Yeah, so I think today we are going to be talking about vacancy rates, what they are and how to calculate them and why they are important. And we're also going to look at sort of the live vacancy rates from CMHC's most recent reports across all major markets nationally. Um, and I forgot to introduce myself, but my name is Daniel Foch. I'm a real estate broker and an investor, <laughs> director of economic research at a brokerage called Rare Real Estate, among other things. I think a lot of us in in this industry are very generalistic. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a real estate Swiss Army knife, I suppose, uh, for better or worse, I, I would say. And and actually, an ex Swiss Army it's man true. that I that I just got a story about today, which we'll have to save for another day. But yes, Dan was once in the Swiss Army. Very cool. And thanks for introducing yourself. Obviously, vacancy rates are more important than who you are. So we got your priorities straight here. Yeah, fair enough. So start me off with with what a vacancy rate even is, Nick. Yeah. So a vacancy rate. The vacancy rate is the percentage of all available units in a rental property, such as a hotel or an apartment complex that are vacant or unoccupied at a particular time. So a vacancy rate is the opposite of an occupancy rate, which is the percentage of units in a rental property that are occupied. High vacancy rates indicate that a property is not renting well, while low vacancy rates indicate to strong rental sales. In addition to being used for real estate analysis, vacancy rates can also be applied to the employment sector. So to get an understanding of vacancy rates, um, they are an important determinant for property owners because it tells them how their buildings are performing when compared to an area's vacancy rate. But it can also be used as an economic indicator to get an understanding for how different markets perform. So broad market conditions. And when you're, you know, like we use cap rates as an example to analyze properties side by side, you can use vacancy rates to analyze markets side by side to get, so to get an understanding for the tightness of a certain market, rental market, you know, and we're going to go through all of them coast to coast, uh, pretty well, whatever was covered by CMHC in their report. But you can also use it to look at asset classes side by side. So what's the rate, what's the vacancy rate in industrial versus the vacancy rate in multifamily? And, you know, we've talked, we've, we've gone through most of the other commercial asset classes, but, you know, with multifamily being one of the most popular asset classes for Canadian real estate investors, which is our audience, we're obviously going to kind of hone in on that one a little bit. And that's sort of what our objective for this episode is. So in real estate, the vacancy rate most often represents units that are already vacant and ready to be rented units that have been turned off uh, upon the exit of a tenant or turned over and units that are not currently rentable because they are in need of repairs or renovations. Low vacancy rates are considered a good thing, positive, because it generally means people want to live in that particular area or building, while a high vacancy rate area would mean the opposite. It's a negative indicator for the market. Yeah. Now let's talk about how to calculate vacancy. So the rate is calculated by taking the number of vacant units multiplying that number by 100 and dividing that result by the total number of units. 
So the vacancy rate and occupancy rate should add up to 100%. So if the apartment building has 300 units and 30 units are unoccupied, it means that apartment unit has a vacancy rate of 10%. In order to be used effectively, vacancy rates for one property should be used to compare to a similar property. We see this all the time. Comparables in real estate is a very common thing. It is not fair. It's not a fair comparison when putting a commercial office building next to a three-story apartment complex. That's not a proper comparable. Similarly, there may be different factors at play between vacancy rates for a small town and a major city. So these two areas may not be a suitable comparison either. Yeah, excellent points. Um, and, uh, you know, to use vac- uh, vacancy rates for real estate analysis, a property owner can use vacancy rates as an analytic metric. So changes in the percentage of vacant units versus occupied units or the length of time occupied units are remaining active or other rental conditions can provide guidance on how competitive a property owner has made their specific property. They can use it to kind of stack up against the market. If a property owner charges significantly more or less than the rates of the rental market, then that'll be reflected in their overall vacancy rate. So maybe it's an indication that you're pricing too high or too low. Uh, You know, if you're turning over too quickly, then, or if you're leasing up too quickly, then you might be priced really low. And for, you know, for in in Ontario where we have rent control or in most of Canada where we have rent control, you always want to try and maximize your price on the way in because you don't get another chance to escalate that price. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here. Um, And, you know, similarly, if you're, unit's been on the market for a long time and you're in a really tight rental market, then you probably priced it too high. Um, It can also provide valuable information about the effects of price changes or the type of advertising on the unit occupancy that you have. So what we're going to do is CMHC releases this rental market report on an annual basis. This is the January 2023 edition that we're going to go through. And, you know, we're not going to go through price too much because... The, our friends at rentpanda.ca did an excellent report on that. We're actually going to compare some of their prices with RentPanda tonight. Uh, sorry, tomorrow night. So my Twitter space, Thursday, February 23rd. Um, we're actually going to have them on and sort of discuss it. So Nick and I will report our findings from that as well. But so really just want to dive in on CMHC's analysis of vacancy in the multifamily asset class in Canada. So Nick, from the CMHC report quickly, what's the overview that they provide for Canada's market here? Yeah, Dan, let me start us off here. In 2022, Canada's apartment vacancy fell to its lowest level since 2001. Higher net migration and costs of homeownership are among the drivers of this higher rental demand that we're seeing. Strong growth in supply was outpaced by stronger growth in demand in most centers for purpose-built rentals in 2022. Big fan of the purpose-built rental. Uh, rent growth reached a new high due to tighter rental markets. And higher net migration and costs of homeownership are driving higher rental demand and strong growth in rental demand across the country. Um, and we've taught, we've been talking about this in the macro environment for over a year now, now, right, Nick? So the, you know, we mentioned that as rates start to rise, it becomes more and more expensive to own a home. And so if it becomes more expensive to own a home, then a lot of people end up exiting ownership or going away from ownership and going into rental. And that has an upward pressure on rent. So this is how you can see rents rising while you're seeing house prices coming down because interest rates are still going up. 
Um, significantly higher net migration as flows continued to benefit from relaxed COVID-related travel restrictions. Um, and then, you know, we have the understanding that new immigrants have a high tendency to rent when they move into the to Canada, at least for the first little bit. Um, I think it's for the first couple yeah, of years. I think three years it? on average is how long they rent yeah. for. Um, stable employment conditions. So we're always hearing about how strong the job market is in Canada. It's one of the really big policy objectives of the Bank of Canada is to try and change that to get some deflation or pull some some of that heat out of the economy stable employment conditions is encouraging new household formation it's supporting demand from young households which also have a higher tendency to rent most people don't you know get their first job move out of their parents house and go buy right away and uh hoover Oh, uh, sorry, a higher overall propensity to rent caused by mortgage rate increases and relatively high prices, which increases the cost of transitioning to home ownership. So we're seeing any, you know, there's a higher uh, likelihood that if somebody is doing new household formation, they're doing it into a rental. Yeah, great points, Dan. I mean, the same drivers that you're talking about were, were widespread geographically, right? However, uh, every rental market is different and the impacts of these drivers will obviously vary within these particular markets. So for instance, in the prairies, uh, rental demand has also benefited from the higher interprovincial migration that we've seen and the stronger employment stemming from the higher commodity prices. Absolutely. And uh, Ontario, BC and Quebec saw the highest flows of new immigrants. So a lot of these prairie areas are actually seeing a lot of inflow of uh, interprovincial migration, but Ontario, BC and Quebec saw the highest flows of new immigrants. This flow placed additional demand pressures on their local markets. So the And also the return of students to on-campus learning was also particularly important in centers with large, high learning sectors. And we've heard a lot about this, people in Guelph lining up for student rentals, student rental prices going absolutely skyrocketing, totally bonkers because you're seeing almost a lagging effect and a lot of people may be postponed, like there's pent up demand for in-person education. And so a lot of these universities are actually oversubscribing their undergrads and they don't have enough housing and the city doesn't even have enough housing. So these and other nuances impacting local markets are explained in greater detail in the market reports that Nick and I are going to cover through this CMHC report. Yeah, imagine being a student and going into second year and, and having to fight tooth and nail and getting outbid on rentals. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair. I, I had such a great living experience in university. We never had problems finding finding an awesome spot. I think you're you know? you're kind of getting to the point where, you know, we're we're staring at a, a real social problem. And even I think CIBCs or so no BMO's economists mentioned this, you know, like we're actually going to see a real the major social crisis, crisis as a result yeah. of, you know, like the oversubscription of housing. So we really do need to fix this problem soon to, you know, before we it kind of gets out of control cuz you end up with a, you know, a, a generation where they really just feel completely marginalized out of the entire experience of, of living because they can't afford it. And that's how you end up with sort of like, you know, a lot of ra like you're hearing radicalization or you know, there's political consequences, I think, to, to, to those things where you end up with populism to the left or right. Right. And I think you're starting to see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also, it's no secret that, you know, higher mortgage rates and elevated price levels have made home ownership much more expensive. In 2022, throughout that year, these increased costs supported rental demand by making it harder 
and less attractive for renters to transition to ownership, like like Dan was just saying. Yeah, and we've mentioned that quite a bit on the show. Uh, something that you know we think is is probably going to continue for the foreseeable future, unless rates com- correct completely or prices correct completely. So, you know, probably a sustained upward pressure on prices, and eventually, as house prices start, or sorry, on, on rents, and as house prices start to come down, or as more people get back into the ownership market, and as ownership becomes more accessible, then you might start to see rents normalize. I don't know if I expect them to come down, but I think the growth will normalize. You'll stop seeing that growth. The other big piece is the decline in turnover rates. This is a really interesting piece, and they and they talk about this across a lot of different markets. So I'm just going to read what they say in the report about it here. So the national turnover rate fell from 15.5% in 2021 to 13.6% in 2022. Um, so that's in table one of the report. And a lower turnover rate means that there's a reduced willingness of households to vacate a rental unit. So this means that you're seeing more and more long-term tenancies. And this is because rental rates are accelerating so quickly. So rental rates are accelerating quickly. And so people are disincentivized to want to go and get a new unit. So they stay in the unit that they're at because they don't want to risk having to pay that higher price. And so you're getting into a market where there's less turnover and more long-term tenancies happening on a gradual basis, according to the CMHC report. Yeah. I mean, I can confirm in my own experience, a deal that I was literally working on a few hours ago before we hopped on uh, to record this episode, Dan, a uh, a client of mine is looking to purchase a, a condo, uh, an investment property, and there's a tenant in there. That tenant is paying probably $1,000 below market rent. Well, that condo has now sat on the market for much longer than it should have. It's a great unit uh, because that tenant is not going anywhere. So, and, and why would they? Because that tenant's paying $1,600 for a great one bed, one bath. We know that one bed, one baths are in around the $2,500 range. So there's a $900 delta from what that person is paying where they are right now to where, what they would have to pay to go and find a similar unit elsewhere in, in this, in a similar neighborhood. Who's got an extra $900 randomly to to start paying for rent? So obviously that tenant is fighting tooth and nail. The sellers then out of desperation had to actually go and lower the price of that condo unit by $50,000 just to incentivize buyers and, and get some traffic through there. Luckily, the agent that we're working with on this deal, I'm just doing the mortgage, there's another agent. Um, she immediately, you know, flagged it and was like, this is, this is definitely concerning. And, um, we, we've since moved on from the deal and, and kind of told our, our client that it wasn't a, a, a good deal. And, and once you explain it to them, it makes complete sense, right? For sure. Anyways, let's get back to, uh, to the report here. Among the three largest markets, Toronto reported the widest gap between rent growth for units that turned over and rent growth for units without turnover. Vancouver followed and Montreal had the narrowest gap of the three. So Toronto, we have here at 29.1% rent growth for turnover units versus 2.3% for non-turnover units. Vancouver, 23.9% versus 3.9%. And Montreal, uh, actually about half of what Vancouver is uh, for units that did turn over, 14.5% for turnover units and 3.5% for non-turnover units. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it really gives you perspective on just how, and we've talked about this a lot when you're displacing tenants in buying a property and why tenants are really looking for bigger buyouts on the cash for keys basis, because you can see it here in the data that's presented by CMHC. And you can see it in the data that's presented by rentpanda.ca on the price side. The 
you know, if, if, if you have to vacate a unit in Toronto, you're going to pay almost 30% more when you go lease comparable unit the next day. And so this again, creates the incentive for people to really try and hang on to those units. And people are, you know, in a lot of cases, resisting landlords attempts to, uh, to evict them. And really, and I, you know, you're hearing of people being taken to the boards for evicting people illegally, um, or, you know, not following the rules properly, pretending they're having family, family moving in and then going and relisting it and whatever. And, I mean, you're starting to see a lot of friction happening here um, as a result of these big disparities or almost like arbitrages because you can sell a unit yesterday for 30% less than you can sell it for tomorrow. Um, and, and you know, this kind of pushes people into the Airbnb stuff where they want higher turnover. You know, it's it's really broken the market. It's a reflection of that that state of crisis that we're in. Um, mm. And, you know, to, to really, really hone in on what that looks like, they also mention affordable housing in this report. So let's talk about this because I actually think that this presents a bit of a market opportunity, honestly. And, you know, and I don't, I don't just say that to kind of be like, woo woo, like, yeah, it's great to create affordable housing, but I, I just want you to read this table aloud because what this basically says from my perspective is if you can put units on the market, on the price floor, affordable housing, there's basically infinite demand for it. And this could really be a good opportunity for people who are looking to add smaller units to multiplexes, especially in Ontario based on Bill 23. And, you know, I would expect that that's kind of the first frontier of this big change that we're seeing in the zoning environment that is gradually starting to integrate missing middle multiplexes. So can you read this? This is table one from, I think, page 10 of CMHC's report that basically says affordable units for low income renters are extremely rare outside of Quebec. We start things off in Quebec at 25% of units are affordable to renters with the lowest 20% of incomes. Montreal is a close second at 23%. Edmonton, we drop to 13% of units are affordable to renters with the lowest 20% of incomes. Gatineau, 8% of units. Regina, 8% of units. Saskatoon, 7% of the units are affordable. Calgary, 5% of the units are affordable. Winnipeg, 4%. London, the only city in Ontario on this list, is just 3% affordable. Then we drop down to the 1% here with Victoria and Vancouver at both 1% of units are affordable to renters with the lowest 20% of income. Everywhere else on the list is less than 1%, so there's not really any data available that list includes a very surprising Toronto, sarcasm, Kingston, Peterborough, Belleville, Sudbury, Windsor, and the capital, Ottawa. So basically, every area in Ontario is going to have excess demand for affordable housing. And while we're currently on the forefront of seeing a bill where you can turn any house in the province into a multiplex. So from my perspective, you know, th- with that setup obvi- being the obvious, right? Can we multiplex everything and create affordable housing in the process, which is really their policy goal in Bill 23, but also potentially seeing, you know, a recessionary environment over the, the next year and maybe a little bit of disinflation or maybe even deflation in the construction costs. You can't really ignore how sexy this setup is, this market opportunity is, from my perspective, for those willing to create or wanting to create affordable housing. So let's get into the meat of this. Let's talk about the vacancy rates here. We're not going to get into the rental rates because we did cover that in our most recent episode with rentpanda.ca and they've provided us generously with data to do that on a monthly basis. 
So, and that's more real-time data from my perspective. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm actually doing a Twitter space with them, kind of comparing and contrasting their their report with the CMHC report. But so let's let's look at this other metric that we discussed that you can use to compare markets side by side, which is the vacancy rate. So Nick, start me off here with your hometown. West Coast, best coast. We start things off in Vancouver with purpose-built rental market at a 0.9% vacancy. Now, Dan, before we move on, remind everyone, what is a purpose-built rental? So a purpose-built rental is a is something that is you know built from raw land that is typically larger scale, usually greater than, than four units, um, that is built to, you know, with the, it's, it's very self-descriptive. So I'm not going to sound like a rocket surgeon here, but <laughs> it's built for the purpose of renting it out. Can you believe that? So, but, mm, but, shocking. um, but there, you know, these are, are developments that were made without the purpose of it being resale. I know, you know, the condominium apartment market is very much purpose-built rental. That's, you know, you're, you're selling those units to other individual landlords. So it yes. does end up reaching the housing stock, but these are, they're um, built with the objective of being owned by one single entity later, maybe a REIT or a family office or a large institutional exactly. owner. Or so that's what I wanted to get at. some of our super wealthy podcast listeners. Maybe Reach out if someday. you're one of those. <laughs> so that's just what I wanted to get at, right? The difference between one of these large towers, some of them are owned by one person and some of them are developed and then sold individually. Uh, next down the list, we move to the condominium apartment market with uh, in Vancouver with a 2.2% vacancy rate. So remember when we were all googly eyed talking about how industrial vacancy was below 1% in some markets in Canada right now? Uh, episode 47, I think commercial market update we did. Um, well, apparently you can get multifamily assets with the same vacancy rate, which is just crazy from my perspective. I guess the only real challenge is that cap rates are a lot lower than the industrial markets in a lot of cases. Mm, good point. Uh, the in, the purpose-built rental apartment vacancy rate decreased from 1.2% in 2021 to 0.9% in 2022. Yeah, and the report says that higher ownership costs and migration into the region led rental demand to increase faster than supply. And so basically, asking rents for vacant units are now on average 43% higher than those paid for occupied units. So if you look at your average occupied unit and what people are paying versus what it would be in the market. So let's just say you're the average renter. That's where you start seeing that gap is when where people are disincentivized to leave their apartments and you start seeing a lot more long-term renting. And this really goes back to that late stage kind of renter's economy that we could be heading for in Canada if something doesn't change in our market sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, couldn't agree more. I mean, why why would you leave if if we're talking about hundreds of, of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, 30 plus percent increases? So that obviously results in a lot of tenants trying to stay put, at least for the time being, of course, resulting in overall much lower turnover. And the tightening conditions caused rent to accelerate 6.3% overall. So new renters paid on average 24% more than the previous tenant for a two-bedroom units rented in 2022. Let's go to Victoria. Purpose-built rental market, 1.5% vacancy, and the condominium apartment market, 0.2% vacancy. 0.2. Is that the lowest in the country? <laughs> it's not. Is this a trick question? It is, is not. Uh, 
Isn't that crazy that it's not that zero point two percent vacancy is not wow. the lowest vacant condominium apartment market vacancy in in the country? I can't wait to I can't wait to speak. You're, out which you're one actually it is. gonna like which one it is. Mm. Oh, I think I know. I think I I think I saw it. Okay, anyways, let's keep going. Yeah. So the even funnier part is you go on to read the highlights, and they actually say that vacancy is up. So the vacancy rate rose slightly thanks to an expansion of rental apartment stock, although the rental townhouse stock continued to shrink. Now, rent growth of purpose-built rental apartments peaked at 7.7% driven by high turnover, especially for those newer units that are hitting the market. And so, you know, they say that strong rent growth made the shortages of affordable rental units worse, particularly for low-income households in need of larger units. Record high immigration and a stable job market brought the rental demand back to the Victoria City Center. Okay, now let's jump over to Edmonton. Purpose-built rental market, 4.3% vacancy. And the apartment market, not that far off. The condo market, 4.1% vacancy rate. So, you know, they're citing improved labor market conditions and record uh, net international migration. And we know, this is a story we've talked about a lot, high interprovincial migration at a 10-year high now. Rental demand outpaced increases in supply that were happening in Edmonton. With improved, uh, sorry, the vacant vacancy rate for purpose-built rental apartments was 4.3% down from 7.3% last year. And Edmonton's continued to see a strong growth in more and more purpose-built rentals being built, which is what you like to see. And, and we know Edmonton has a higher cap rate, so there's a greater incentive to do, to build, uh, purpose-built rentals than there would be in a city with high land costs like Vancouver or Toronto, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that supply is growing at a pace higher than any previous decade based on data going back to 1990. Um, and so that could end up, you know, you could end up again, seeing one of those late cycle housing models where more and more of that rental stock ends up being institutionally owned. Same sample apartment rents increased modestly in 2022, lower vacancies, particularly in some of the sub areas put upward pressure on rent, rent levels. And then also, you know, and this is going to be a theme across all markets, cost of ownership, pushing first-time homebuyers out of the market, and that is going to contribute further to additional rental demand. Love it. Let's take a, was it two-hour drive south from Edmonton to... And, it was uh, longer than that. Two and a half, is it? We yeah, it, was, it? It, was, it must have been three hours. Three hours, three hours. Ahead. Let's take a three-hour drive south here and stop in Calgary. Now, Calgary analyst Michael Mack states, with Calgary's economy growing beyond pre-pandemic levels... The rental market tightened to conditions not seen since Alberta's last economic boom. Also, shout out to Michael Mack, who is the analyst for Calgary. Great guy uh, who I interact with a lot on social media, LinkedIn and TikTok. And I know he's a listener to the show. Yeah, it's so cool to see the way, you know, you and we and everyone can interact with the people who are doing a lot of this research when you're in the content creation space. We're lucky. Yeah. And honestly, even if you're an investor, this is actually, you know, a little pro tip that I'd give you. These people who are doing in these research positions, they love to actually interact with end users and market participants to hear what's going on in the market. So don't be afraid to connect with some of the amazing people working in that research space and say that, you know, like even just go through this or go through the rentpanda.ca report and send them an email saying like, thank you so much. Really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, They are all, they, they love solving problems and having discussions about it. Okay. So before I get too carried away on it, Calgary, (laughs) 
Purpose-built rental, 2.7% vacancy. Condominium market, 1.8% vacancy. And I know a lot of Toronto buyers right now are lining up to buy pre-cons in Calgary. And we still haven't had a chance to talk pre-con. We will. We're going to get Jordan Skrinko on here as well as a couple other people, I think. Um, so, you know, regardless of what we think about it, I do know, we know that there is demand from capital from the, from the Ontario market looking to get into that type of product in the Calgary market. Yeah, and we can see some see that in some of the cool uh, micro data that uh, CMHC has provided in this report, such as the chart uh, on Figure One that states inner city resurgence in occupancy, but the Northeast still leads in growth. And it's cool because you can actually use these reports to kind of identify different market opportunities as well, because they have rates for many different neighborhoods within the city. So they have different vacancy rates, they have different rental rates for different areas within the city. So let's look at the overall vacancy rate for Calgary. It dropped to 2.7% and that's the lowest it's been since 2014. Now record immigration into Alberta largely supported rental demand while increases in supply were not enough to balance it out. Stronger demand pushed up rents throughout the city as positive economic conditions encouraged that migration. Now, despite that lower rental supply growing at an even quicker pace than last year, the market has tightened. Now, new buildings were completed near the city core and in the eastern quadrants. Optimistic expectations for rental demand in Calgary helped spur growth in that supply. Affordability is still a concern, though, since not enough homes are considered affordable for those lowest income households that we were mentioning. Okay, now let's jump over, still in the praise, to Saskatoon, a market that, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, we fantasize about purchasing potentially there. And Saskatoon sees the lowest vacancy rate and strongest rent since 2014 purpose-built rental they have a purpose-built rental they have at 3.4 percent vacancy and condos they have at 3.7 percent vacancy and figure one in that report for saskatoon shows that the lowest vacancy rate in north is in the northeast saskatoon area um, the reasons for the economic enthusiasm, or the reasons for this is economic enthusiasm that's driving demand. So the labor market is showing signs of strength. Net migration has turned positive, which is interesting because usually they're outflow provincially. Um, and commodity prices are booming. So, you know, Saskatoon being a little bit exposed to oil, but also commodities like potash, et cetera. Um, and for households in the lowest income group, and again, just really driving home. CMHC loves to talk about affordable housing. They want to keep reminding you of it because part of their job is to provide affordable housing. And some might say that that's a difficult task and they're not having an exceptionally easy time doing it. So (laughs) (laughs) these units were mostly one bedroom or smaller, which are unsuitable for families. So we're seeing, look, there's not a lot of family living arrangement in the affordable market. And again, the increasing cost of ownership is pushing people into that rental condo market. I was going to say, do you think CMHC is, is maybe of the mindset that if they could just keep on saying affordable and affordable housing, it maybe will manifest itself? Maybe. Yeah, maybe they could be very much manifesting, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is a big theme here, this affordability stuff. like, uh, And also the, the cost of homeownership driving people into the rental market. Yes, interest costs are making it harder for people, for like investors like us to buy rental properties, but it's also making it harder for everyone 
to buy rental properties or to buy properties, sorry. And so that means less competition. And that also means that a lot of them are going into the rental market. I'm going to mention it. Maybe I think I'll try and this will be the last time that I mention it, but you're the people who are pulling the rental rates up are your average first time home buyer. They have a big bag of cash. They can afford a big monthly payment and they've just, they've capitulated. They've decided, look, I can't, I'm going to put, postpone this for a year. We're going to go and we're going to commit to renting. And so if you have a ton of cash and you can afford a big monthly payment, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to pay you're going to go get a nice rental and you're going to be able to pay a lot more than the average renter for it. And so that's, is really having an upward pressure on it. Um, anyway, let's move over to Saskatoon's other beautiful city, Regina. Saskatchewan's other beautiful city. Yes. Oh, sorry, you're right, sorry, Dan. My bad. <laughs> let's, uh, I let's take these... some of your, uh, Listexia there. That's all. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, in Regina, demand outpaced supply resulting in the lowest vacancy since 2014. Purpose-built rental market at 3.2% vacancy. The condominium apartment market at 2.7% vacancy. And Regina's overall vacancy rate fell to 3.2%, which is the decrease driven by increased in-person activities. Now, if you look at figure two of the report, it shows the international migrants supported higher demand for rentals. The lowest rates were observed in downtown, University, and the Lakeview, Albert Park areas. Average rents increased by 3.6% for all unit types and zones as a result of the falling vacancy rates and overall vacancy rates in the condominium market decreased to 2.7 as modest growth in supply did little to meet the growing rental demand. These tighter rental market conditions worsened affordability for those in the lower income sections. Interestingly, you mentioned the in-person activities. That's kind of like that re-urbanization of demand. People are getting back to the cities. And I'm just realizing that we're probably going to, it's going to have a hard time fitting all of these in here. So I'm just going to start ripping through. Um, but So we'll jump over to Winnipeg. Purpose-built rental at 2.7%. Condo market at 1.9% vacancy. In Winnipeg, stronger demand for rental units was enhanced by better job market, stronger economy and population growth from international immigration and interprovincial uh, migration, you know, that drive till you qualify or fly till you qualify buyer. The overall fly vacancy rate, yeah, the overall vacancy rate. Well, I mean, you have to now at this point in Canada, yeah. if you're getting out of Ontario. Um, so from 5.1% to 2.7%. So vacancy almost halved itself due to stronger growth from rental demand relative to supply. So they're not, they're undersupplying. Yeah. Let's take things to Hamilton, Dan. You and I know this market well. And I know we've got a large listenership in Hamilton. Listenership. So, listener, William so. Shatner. <laughs> Is he one of them? I was just, a, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, Hello to everyone in Hamilton. Good news. Purpose-built rental market is at 1.9% vacancy. Your condo apartment market is this at is 0. It, 0.1%. This is it. 0.1 vacancy, which is the lowest rate for the condo category in the country. Congratulations, Hamilton. Higher full-time employment led to greater rental demand, and future tenants will continue to face stiff competition for units that become available. And then I guess we just maybe rip, I'll rip through a couple of Ontario ones here because we don't want to be too center of the university. Um, and I mean, the, I think the macro setup is very similar in Ontario. Um, affordability yeah. sucks. Job market's relatively strong. People moving around, <laughs> drive till you qualify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Greater Sudbury, 2.4% vacancy rate at a 10 year low. Average wow. rents remain stable. Yeah. Since increased demand from population growth was tempered by reduced demand for this lower student population because they do have Laurentian up there. Um, mm -hmm. Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, 1.2% 
1.5% purpose-built rental, 1.1% condo vacancy. Vacancy rents f- rates fell to their lowest rate in 20 years. Consequently, rent growth has hit historic highs at 7.2%. Resurgence of immigration, particularly student-led non-permanent residents, so we do see a lot of international students in Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, was a major driver behind the increased demand. And rapid Rapid rent increases and tightening budgets reduced mobility. So turnover fell from 16.3% to 13.4%. Interesting. Let's take this to Belleville with a 2.4% vacancy rate. The rental apartment supply contracted by 3.2% in the city of Belleville, but remained unchanged in the city and district of Quinty West. Probably some Airbnb effect and end users moving there and didn't want to take away some of the rental properties. Uh, let's move not a far drive over to Peterborough where I own some property, a great market in Peterborough. I know we've got a lot of listeners from Peterborough as well. The Peterborough market remained the tightest in Ontario with a 1.1% vacancy rate. Well done, Peterborough. Shout out to our Peterborough Investors Group, Jared. We'll we'll see you soon. Uh, Peterborough has the lowest vacancy rate in Ontario for two years in a row, despite a large expansion of the rental supply in 2022. Peterborough vacancy rates had been below its long-time average for the past seven years, and that's seen the largest supply increase in the last 15 years, but demand did increase at the same rate. Crazy, eh? To see hitting a 15-year supply record and demand still keeping up with it. I mean, it's really just a state of what's happening in this country, right? Um, Let's jump over to Windsor. Shout out to Chris, who's a listener, who's going to be helping us put together our investment groups out there. 1.8% vacancy rate. The vacancy rate in Windsor hit a record low of 1.8%. Economic recovery and growth boosted demand against supply that was sustained by labor shortages and rents for vacant units are 20% higher than those for occupied units, highlighting an affordability barrier for prospective tenants. Um, next up, we're seeing St. Catharines and Niagara, 2.8% vacancy rate, rents up 6.3%. However, in 2022, rental supply increased faster than demand. So they actually saw a loosening, one of the few markets um, where vacancy uh, actually grew to two point, just 2.8% anyway, but it was up from 1.9% in, in 2021 and aligned with sort of that 10-year historical average. One of the few places that this happened. Um, full-time employment growth supports rental household formation and slower transition to homeownership because of those costs that we were mentioning a couple of times throughout this episode. Let's keep driving south and hit London, Ontario at 1.7% vacancy rate for PBRs. That is not Pabst Blue Ribbon, but a delicious <laughs> beer. That is purpose-built rental and a uh, 0.9% for condos, both of which are down from last year. Yeah, Nick's more of an old-style Pilsner guy like uh, <laughs> Terry and Diener from uh, Alberta, right? Oh, come on. Uh, Mac is a cruel mistress. Um, <laughs> Kingston at 1.2% vacancy with rents up 4.9%. And of course, you give me this one to read. The center of the universe, otherwise known as Tony, Toronto. Tony Toronto over here. From Tony Toronto himself. Vacancy rates return to pre-pandemic levels in the primary rental market with a 1.7% vacancy rate for the purpose-built rentals and a 1.1% vacancy for the condominium apartments. Newly built condos led the growth in the rental stock, but fewer units were completed than expected in 2022. And I think that's going to be a trend that we see throughout the next year or two. Sharp rent growth, especially for units turning over. So again, you move out, guess what? Your landlord probably increases that rent. 
anywhere from 15 to 30%. Rental demand for condos surged as the pandemic restrictions eased. Thank the load. Moving over to Ottawa, the nation's capital. Pretty cold place right now, I've heard. Um, 2.1% vacancy for purpose-built rental market. 0.5% vacancy, so sub-1% vacancy rate for condos. The return of students to campuses, two big universities there, a couple colleges um, that contributed to the reducing vacancy in central neighborhoods, um, as well as rent growth accelerating and the turnover rate is in decline. So we're seeing more and more long-term tenants. People don't want to leave because prices are going up. Yes, they are. And they are doing the same thing in Gatineau, where migration, youth employment, and slower transition to home ownership continue to drive the rental demand, holding the vacancy rate below 1%. So we have a 0.8% purpose-built rental vacancy and a 1.2% condo apartment vacancy. Supply, again, increased a lot, but the number of factors contributed to the equivalent growth in demand. It's pretty crazy. Totally. Um, Quebec City, 1.5% vacancy with rates up 3.5%. So rental rates up 3.5%. Lowest vacancy since 2010. And when you look back or when, sorry, when you hear us say lowest since X year, go and look at what happened to cap rates and prices in those markets after those years. If you're setting records, really look at it. Get an understanding for the economics of your specific market because the, we've, we said early, very first episode, history rhymes. It doesn't repeat itself. And we, unfortunately for a lot of people, were right. And I think that the same thing could be true of different micro economies and how their real estate markets behave. You know, you don't see a lot of turnover in ownership. You don't see a lot of the same buyers are out there. And so the patterns can be relatively predictable if you go look at what happened. Vacancy rate for the least expensive rental units fell below 1%. So there's a demand for affordability that we're seeing in all of these markets across Canada. Quebec is no exception to that. And rent increases were moderate in the area compared to the provincial average and the national average. So Quebec being one of those more affordable markets, probably because there was a bit of a degree of shutdown in the economy, reducing some demand from, you know, being a very tourism heavy economy, right? Yeah. Speaking of Quebec and the beautiful cities within it, let's go to Montreal, where we have a 2% vacancy rate with rents up 5.4%. This decline was caused by strong rebound in international migration and a slower transition to home ownership. Sound familiar? It's because it's happening in every one of these markets. The last factor also supported rental demand in the suburbs. Despite the addition of thousands of new apartments, the suburb, suburbs continue to have vacancy rates around 1%. Supply of rental condominiums rose sharply in 2022. However, demand also rose for the same reasons that affected the purpose-built rental market, the vacancy remained stable at 2%. Now, interestingly enough, the data shows that vacancy rates higher for newer units, so probably less demand at the higher end of price in that market. And interesting chart, figure two in um, in the report for, um, for Montreal is the proportion of households under age 35 that are renter households continues to rise in Montreal. So you're starting to see a younger and younger tenant pool. Um, and so that might, you know, combining that with the sort of long-term rental tenure that we're starting to see could indicate that, you know, you might actually see a bit more of a renter's economy and it might be falling into that, that role that you're seeing other, uh, you know, top Canadian cities. So size wise, top Canadian cities falling into your Toronto and Vancouver, and then Montreal being next on the list, where it really is very much a renter's economy or becoming a renter's economy. Uh, let's finish it off with the only city, unfortunately, in Atlantic Canada that's covered in CMHC's report, Halifax. 
So there was no relief for renters in 2022 in Halifax as vacancy rate was unchanged and average rent increased at the fastest pace ever on record. Halifax has a 1% vacancy rate and rents are up 9.3% since last year. Overall, crazy, eh? Overall, same same sample um, average rent increase of 8.9% was the highest single year increase and four times above the average historical growth rate. So renters are really getting squeezed in this economy. The turnover rate dropped to the lowest in the last five years, which you can totally understand, showing tenants reduced tendency to move in that highly inflationary rental environment. And unaffordable rents are contributing to people actually out-migrating. So we're hearing a lot in Ontario about people wanting to move to Halifax. And in Halifax, the story apparently is that you know on, uh, the lack of affordability is contributing to out-migration. And maybe that's where you see the jump to the next place that's more affordable, perhaps like a Moncton, if you want to stay in Atlantic Canada, mm-hmm. um, or maybe another city within the area. Demand from students and young people remains strong, but that higher demand from young people is moderated by the preference for staying with their parents. And we know from uh, from census data that people living with their parents and or and or having roommates is the fastest growing household size in, in Canada. So we're again, we're getting to that kind of like European model of stay stay home with mom and dad until you, you know, you need to go form a new household. Rental supply grew, but it wasn't fast enough and record increase in average rents again. So Nick, give me a summary and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, great stuff. We're at the end here. So let's start to summarize this. Dan, why don't we go point for point here? Because I think there's some pretty key takeaways here. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway is that vacancy is extremely low and is likely going to continue trending down because we're in a housing crisis and there are more people than there are units. They also mention in there that the immigrants typically end up renting first, something that we've spoken about on the show quite a few times. So the immigration impact will show up more on the rental price than it does on the purchase price. Totally. And so, you know, I hear people say a lot that immigration will create a price floor in the market. And I think it's just a lot less direct than people want to think. So from my perspective, they do, but they'll do so by pushing up rents and therefore pushing up the prices of prop or sorry, the, the yields and the prices of investment properties up. So it's actually, it's correct, but it's indirect and investors are the ones who will be flooring the market. Rents are moving up literally almost everywhere across the country and will likely continue to do so, unfortunately. Yeah. And the, really the only thing that could change that just to, you know, to, to try and tell the full story or play the devil's advocate here is if we do see a reduced household formation. So, you know, because we're in a recession or there's financial stress, um, we, you know, people start or stop, um, making new households because it doesn't make financial sense to do that. So they're not moving out and moving in with their partner because it's too expensive. Um, but I, I personally can't see that outweighing immigration. Um, maybe we do see it being too difficult for the Canadian government to um, to reach those immigration targets. But I, I do think that, um, you know, it seems like they're not having an issue doing that. So, Yeah. Another big takeaway for me is that tenants are moving out less, creating much less turnover, which means pricing it well on the onset is important because we can't rely on rental growth annually. Remember, in at least in Ontario here, we're only allowed to increase 2.5%. That also means less headaches on turnover, but it really means you've got to stay on top of managing the cost of your rental. Absolutely. And and finally, affordability is a big theme in every market. Uh, if you can find a way to bring affordable rentals to the market, they're often a higher ROI on your per unit cost if you're, you know, going with some smaller or less luxurious units. And don't misinterpret that to say I'm telling you to go become a slumlord. Um, but it, I would say that it's a great 
set up for something we talk a lot about on here, which is creating social value in field de- development and using the missing middle to help us, they you know, help Canadians solve the Canadian housing crisis, right? Boom. It's a, it's a all of us kind of solution. Was that a, that's a mic drop thing right there, Dan. Dan literally just dropped. My mic's, su- my mic's suspended by on like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm like a full podcast mode with one of those arms that floats it in front of my face. So it can't <laughs> Impossible drop it. to drop it. Impo- please don't drop it. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. If you like what you heard, shoot us a message on Instagram or Twitter, right to the show. There's an email in the show notes and uh, leave us a five-star review. It helps a lot. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.